Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. It has been a wonderful start to the week. It's bright and sunny here in the Twin Cities area, and I'm loving summertime. I hope you are, too. It's always uh, fun to start my week with my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick Albanese. He's on our studio line as we speak. Patrick, welcome to the show. Hey, Bill. Almost almost didn't make it. Almost didn't make it, but uh, what yeah, happened? I mistakenly thought I had a uh, I mistakenly thought I had a dentist appointment today, and it turned out it was next month. <laughs> so that's three three days of, of of extreme flossing wasted. Oh, I hate that! Don't you hate that? Yeah, I was getting all ready for the dentist appointment. Wait, do they? You know, you know, they always ask you that question. I go, when was when was the last time you flossed? <laughs> and I'm usually I go, well, you were there. <laughs> <laughs> You were there. Yeah. You should remember. Just check that appointment book. Yeah. But anyway, I did make it. Yeah. How yeah. are you doing? I'm good. I don't want to start off in a crabby mood, but I've got deer eating my hostas. And I don't know if there's anything I can do or if it just makes sense to put up that sign that says the salad bar is open. So, yeah. You know, it's funny. You had sent me a text about the deer eating if I knew anything. Yeah. And and I don't. Uh, but I did check into the price of deer food much cheaper. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I want to just go buy some deer food and put that out and say, look, if you're going to be eating, I'm going to do it on a budget here. Well, yeah. So then I tried that liquid fence or liquid something where it's, I guess, it's coyote urine or something. You spray that on the hostess and that didn't work. So yeah. I think tonight I'm leaving brochures for Scientology. I think that usually will deter. I, I tried cayenne pepper once. Oh yeah. And then in the middle of yeah, the middle of the night, I was woken up with a bunch of sneezing out there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, see, I have a bigger problem with the bunnies. Uh, you know, so they. Uh, you know, I tried everything to get rid of the bunnies. I even got a dog. Uh, that, that that one didn't, didn't work. Yeah. And the bunnies were very aggressive. And, uh, you know, so the person at the plant store said, you know, plant marigolds, they don't like the smell of marigolds. And so I bought a whole bunch of marigolds and put them in there. And, uh, of course, you know, there's uh, the knock on the door that says, hey, thanks for the dessert. Those are delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so then I, I, I give up. Finally, one year I said, you know, okay, no more. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I feed these things. I mean, and the thing that put the final touch on me was this very large rabbit had taken a complete stalk of my raspberries. You know, I grow raspberries. Had taken one, was sitting in the middle of the yard, and this rabbit is was large, you know, the size of like a, a dog, <laughs> and just starts chomping away, chewing the whole thing. And you know, I walk out, and he's well, I'm not. A, he, he was like Vinnie Barbarino. Yeah. <laughs> had a little yeah. pinstripe suit on. Yeah, he's like, eh, what? Eh, how? I, what are you going to do? You know, bunny Bobberino. <laughs> so I just, I stopped planting stuff. And then there's that knock on the door. And it's, it's the bunny saying, I don't know if you understand this. I got a family to feed. <laughs> <laughs> you, you may have heard we bunnies have a lot of children. <laughs> so you might want to get on it before I start coming into the house 
and taking the graham crackers. So I just, I, I don't know how, I tried all this stuff. I tried, they, I read a thing that said if you use uh, mothballs will do it, mm-hmm. the liquid fence, the uh, human hair. I went to the hair salon, got, got a big bag of human hair, yeah. spread it all around. And uh, next time I go out there, there's just a bunch of bunnies with very nice wigs. <laughs> <laughs> and they used it to nest. They said, this is really uh, great. Thanks they, again. They played you like a fool. I have a feeling that the uh, plant store that sold me all of this stuff and made a small fortune, they must just chuckle and say that people will do anything to get rid of these bunnies, and it can't be done. And I don't know. The deer, my mother-in-law has that problem with the deer. They just, they love hostas. Yeah. Uh, my How much hosta- did you spend on hostas? Well, it doesn't matter. They're all gone. I mean, I've got little green stalks now and, and nothing else. So, I don't know. I'm not happy. Well, here's great news. They're perennials. They'll come back next year to be eaten again. That's true. So, I look forward to that. Yeah. You, yeah. you were looking for a maintenance-free garden? You've got it. <laughs> right. 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 Thanks for that little encouragement. Encouragement. So, you know, I think the economy is starting to rebound a little bit because somebody paid $28 million to go on Jeff Bezos' flight into space I would hate that because you're probably end up sitting next to his brother who's going for free. Plus, they most likely have no in-flight movies or miniature pretzels. Why would you want to do that no. for $28 million? Well, it turns out that you accumulate enough frequent flyer miles in the 11-minute <laughs> flight to fly free in continental U.S. for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's, that's so, the upside. That's a bit of a – yeah, his brother Mark, and poor guy, is only a multimillionaire. Uh, so, you know, I wonder how are those dinners, you know, in that household? It's like, oh, well, Mark's going to be here. It's, oh, it's, okay, we'll start making the excuses. Poor Mark. <laughs> Didn't do so well. But, uh, yeah, his his brother is going to be on the flight. 11 minutes. Yeah. And uh, I think they were saying that, you know, Bezos has enough money to buy the entire NFL. Wow. Every team. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah I don't, who do you root for? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but uh, instead he's going to take an 11-minute space flight because uh, I, no, I have no desire. Yeah. No desire to go to space. Yeah. Now, we have talked about this before, maybe just in private, but you have mentioned to me how people uh, take a page out of the book of common sense and put it in the book of rules. And then you yes. sent me something that we've become a nation that has lost its collective mind. I don't know who wrote that, but there are some gems in there. Yes, and and uh, I don't know for sure who wrote it. A friend sent it to me, and uh, because he didn't say, I wrote this, I'm going to guess that he did not write it. Yeah, I'm but, guessing you know, that either. But it is, you know, we often see that, that you know, uh, the, the few spoil it for the many, and then, uh, you, know, you know, back when you and I were young, uh, and we're still pretty young, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if if you trip and fall, do people run to help you or do they laugh? They laugh. They laugh. So you're still young. Yeah. <laughs> That's considered young. Right. If they run to help you, then they're looking at you like this. That guy's that's going to be bad. So but when we were young, you, you, you walked in, you applied for a job. You kind of sat down with the owner. And, uh, you know, after about 10 minutes of chatting, he said, I'd like you. I'm going to uh, give you a job, give you a chance. And, you know, here's a dollar, five an hour. And 
then he just taught you everything from common sense. Right. You know, the book of rules was a couple of pages thick. He said, you know, it's kind of simple here. Be on time, do your job, uh, be respectful, and uh, don't steal. Yeah. He's kind of my And now, you know, you go to work for a company, uh, and, and the book of rules, and honestly, most of them you look through and you say, well, that's kind of common sense, isn't it? It's got to be in the book of rules. Yeah, right. So we can say that we told. And I think we just get more and more lazy, I, I guess. We just say, well, you know, I, I wonder why more and more kids seem to have this attitude, you know, that's not my job. Because I got the rule book when I signed up here, and they told me specifically, exactly the things I'm supposed to do. And if it's not in there, I'm not supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. So as we look at some of these things that caused our nation to have lost its collective mind, uh, somehow it's un-American for the census to count how many Americans are in America. Yeah. 20. Yeah, and, it's the, yeah 20 is too young to drink a beer, but 18 is old enough to vote. And they want to make it younger. Yeah, they want to make it way younger. They People, want to make it younger. They, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they'll tell you that, uh, you know, somebody at the age of six can choose their gender and you cannot question it. Right. But uh, obviously much older, uh, you know, they, they, they certainly are not wise enough to decide if they wanted to, say, get married and have a family. They say, oh, my gosh, you're, you're only 22. You're way too young to maybe, you know, have children and raise a family. You don't know anything. Mm-hmm. But when you were six, you knew you wanted to switch genders. Right. <laughs> Just amazing what's written in stone these days. Mm-hmm. People who have never owned slaves should pay slavery, uh, slavery reparations to people who have never been slaves. Yeah, and I don't know how that works. I don't either. Yeah. Yeah. And and and, and yeah, I don't know. Do do you do go back enough in time and try to find connections? I mean, right. I think people are going to want those details spelled yeah. out, and it, it does strike me as something that would probably never happen. But they talk about it anyway, as if this is something we have to do. Yeah. And people yeah, who have never was... been to college should pay the debts of college students who took out huge loans for their degrees. Well, now, uh, I am currently doing that since I didn't go to college and I'm paying my wife's student loans. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> that got a little sensitive, didn't it? It got a little, you know, it got a little too close to home. It's like, but we're almost done. I think we're going to have to do it again. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure I get that one. Um, you know, because the money does have to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. I, any does boil down to where does the money come from? And you can't always just simply say, well, we'll tax the rich or, you know, it's always going to be a tax. I mean, you know, the, as far as I know, the government doesn't sell T-shirts or anything to generate income. They just take it from somewhere and put it somewhere else. So, I, uh, yeah, I, how does that or how how'd you, how would you like to be the person who just finished paying off the student loans, and they say, oh, congratulations, you know, every fifth customer gets it free. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Five, I, I like that one. Five billion for border security is too expensive, but $1.5 trillion for free health care is not. I, and that, I remember, and I had a friend who would always, he said, you know, you, you have to get nervous, uh, you know, because... You know, the same government that sometimes says one thing is too expensive and then you can't put a price on something else is probably lying on both accounts. You know, and uh, I, I never understood that when we would talk about border security and they'd 
talk about what a wall would cost, and people can argue about whether or not it was effective, uh, how's it going to stop people. But compared to what we spend in any given minute of any given day, it was a drop in the bucket. I mean, it was just, you know, like $5 billion, and they talked about it like it was trillions. And then we've seen in the past year and a half with COVID, I mean, how many $1.5, $2 trillion spending bills have they have they signed to say, hey, here's a couple trillion, here's a couple, but we can't spend $5 billion on border security. It just struck me as wherever you stand on the issue, you know, you guys are complaining about $5 billion when you spend trillions, like it's going out of style. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Suddenly you get frugal. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah it's Our, like, oh, no, we can't have napkin holders at the wedding. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Four, Four-strong carriage, but no napkin holders. I'm, gl- I'm glad we've solved the world's problems in eight minutes. Let me take a break. We'll come back. Lots more with my friend Patrick Albanese. Be right back. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Always glad to get things started on Monday with my friend Patrick Albanese from the great state of Iowa in the prestigious town of West Des Moines. I just read in the paper, Patrick, that West Des Moines is saying... We need to have an official call for water use reduction. What is that all about? Uh, we, we haven't we haven't had much rain. We had a couple of week period. I think you had a similar one where it just it it rained every day, and uh, you know it, it it's we were starting to gather the animals two by two to get an idea <laughs> how much it was raining. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, and now it's been a couple of weeks, and there's very little in the forecast. In fact, I, uh, my brother-in-law has a, a pontoon boat, and uh, we met him out at the lake yesterday. And you could see that it was a little bit lower, uh, but, um, you know, uh, there are some areas that, you know, it's low enough where you, you're kind of, you know, only ankle deep um, in, in, in parts of it. And uh, it's... It's not good, we, but this seems to happen like every seven or eight years we have one of these drought seasons. Then we have the flood season, which you know is usually the next year, and uh, um, it, it always feels like the sky is falling, and then you realize it's probably been like that way since the beginning of time, right? Mm-hmm. So, Do you know we have all your topsoil, by the way, from the Ice Age? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was aware of that. We'd like it back, too, by no, the way. aware of that. Yeah. We we have we have the best we have the best soil in the country for growing crops, and we got it from you guys. And I, I don't know if that's appropriation, but we it, it slid on down here from glaciers. <laughs> I just found that out that we took your topsoil. Yeah, sorry. So I want to wish you a happy Father's Day in advance because I'm not going to talk talk to you again on the air between now and Sunday. But I do want to wish you a happy Father's Day, and I know your dad um, died at a younger age, and your mom had eight kids to take care of and uh, that was challenging for her and do you you were 13 when your dad died do you um was your dad a guy that made you laugh oh yes okay oh yes yeah and uh, anywhere he went and he and he was also you know with eight kids he was that guy that opened up his wallet and the you know the cascading pictures came streaming out <laughs> oh, he loved kids he 
you know, his his goal was a baseball team with a with a backup. Oh, lovely. He needed a relief. He needed ten. He figured, well, I need a relief pitcher. So if I can just, <laughs> I'll need ten kids. Uh, yeah, he he never got to hold a. He, I'm, you know, just know that he was one of those people that said, "Oh, grandkids, this is going to be great. I have eight. If they have eight, this is going to be wonderful." And he never got to hold a single grandchild. And we didn't get to sixty-four of them either. Um, no, it's uh, I I waited a long. You know, that haunted me for so long. I was afraid to get married, have kids, because I just was afraid that. They'd have to, if something happened to me, they'd go through what I went through, and I just didn't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but but happy Father's Day, and I want to start celebrating dads because I think it's a it's a great time to honor dads, and I I think you and I have talked about this many times before. Dads don't necessarily uh, get represented well in media or in television. I think they're often made out to be. A little on the buffoonish side, and that is not anything I I'm very fond of, and I know you're not either. No, and and it, you know it, it happened. You know, it's almost like popular culture started portraying dads that way because at the time, you know, you had fathers knows best, and you know, dads were you know for the most part pretty sharp guys, uh, um, but. Uh, then they started playing the funny guy who was kind of clueless and it was so unusual that it was funny. And then everybody started copying it. And the next thing you know, it, it just creeps into everywhere. And then people maybe lost sight of, uh, the, the reality is, well, they're not really like this. These, these are just, you know, comical, you know, in interpretations of dads you know, for, for comedic effect or, you know, um, and then there are the, the sinister forces that say, no, let's do this. Let's, Let's continue the breakup of the family, whatever it takes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think it's a, a never too late to try and correct that. The Bible is, of course, a great place to go for inspiration for strong men, strong women that, uh, you know, uh, stood up to the face, you know, stared evil in the face. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of, the, none of the apostles met with a nice end. You're right. But they stood up. The remainder of their lives, they stood up for what was right. I mean, after the resurrection, some of these guys were maybe fearful people, and then they became very bold. You know they saw something happened after they watched Christ get crucified, and they became very bold men. Yeah. And most of them met with uh, terrible, horrific ends, but they stood up for what was right. They saw something. Yeah. And they were most of the time alone because they had traveled to different locations. And it's not like they were texting each other going, I'm still in. Are you? You're still in? You know, they're, yeah. they, they could have denounced it and they didn't. No, it, there would have been nobody there to even check them that was from the old group. Right. You know, how, how are you doing on your journey? Right. They, they went their separate ways and, yeah, and they stayed strong. Uh, it was, it's, it's really inspirational. Talk about some great people to look to in the Bible for uh, an idea of maybe how to approach life. Yeah. Just a thought. No, Just it's, a thought. It's, it's a thought we have every day here at Faith Radio. It's the place we go for strength and source and and uh, encouragement, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is a great place. I You know, um, I never get tired of those messages, by yeah. the way. Yeah. I don't, and I don't think the other listeners do either. Just got a nice message from a listener. I enjoyed the humorous banter on Monday with your friend from Des Moines. Fun to laugh and smile. No negativity or scare tactics. <laughs> We're not done. We got a couple. <laughs> we have a couple more minutes. 
Well, so here's, <laughs> I, I did have a, something that happened to, to me today. Are things kind of opened up you know, where you are? You can, oh, yeah. can you go to the grocery store without a mask now? Absolutely. Yeah. So I did that, and and I have to say, I was able to open a produce bag without any trouble. <laughs> <laughs> How much did I miss that for about a for a little over a year? I can open a produce bag. Yeah, I can I can just lick my little fingertip and I can open this thing. Yeah, uh, but as you know, and also I want to bring this up, and maybe somebody has some help for me on this because I know you're sharp with this kind of stuff. Um, they're doing stretch on my street, and everybody's parking on the street. And my neighbor, uh, lover, uh, but she is just doing a terrible job of parking on the street. I, 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 she just doesn't seem to have the ability. And I'm, I would like to help her, but I have no idea where to hang the tennis ball. So, <laughs> <laughs> I wish you would have told me that one in advance. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to qualify that by laughing, but I can't help it. Oh, no, I you know, I thought about telling you in advance, and I thought, no, I want to see. I don't have no organic reaction. Yeah. No. Say so one last it's, question, uh, and we got to go. How late in the day do you drink coffee? Because yeah. I know you're a big fan uh, of it. I'm a big fan of it. And how I, late in the day do you go? I think the last cup is between two and three. Okay. Uh, it, it, you know, here's the thing: till the pot is empty. Yeah, yeah. So I can sometimes accomplish that by noon. Yep. Um, you got one yeah, of the thermal but, uh, pots that keep yeah. it warm, right? So when that's empty, then you're done. Yes. Okay. And the thermal pot, you know, if I don't finish the pot, then I'm not going to throw that stuff away in the morning. That's that's going to be cup number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I just saw another yeah. article on the the latest assessments of the health effects of coffee, and I'm I'm always happy to see that because I love drinking coffee and I love it in the yeah. end of the afternoon. I usually always have a cup before I start the show. Um, but the consumption has been linked to a reduced risk of all kinds of ailments, and that includes things like Parkinson's, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, gallstones, depression, suicide, cirrhosis, uh, wow. mel- melanoma, and prostate cancer. So there you go. Enjoy your cup I'm of coffee. I'm going to go have a cup of coffee right Enjoy now. Enjoy your <laughs> afternoon cup of coffee. That's what I say. I I agree, and it's funny how it's it's you know, different message than it's, it's like the eggs are bad. Eggs are good. Butter's bad. Butter's good. Yep. And remember the not nice to fool mother nature and you had to eat the margarine and then they, they say, Oh no, 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 no. That's really bad. <laughs> you know, yeah. So these are the experts we're supposed to trust. And I understand that the science changes and they, they learn more and more, but uh, grandma knew best. Yep. yep. You know, three squares a day, drink lots of coffee. Yeah. So that was grandma. Patrick, my next uh, interview is uh, Dr. Gary Chapman of the Five Love Languages and Dr. Clarence Schuler, who he mentored. He met him 52 years ago and mentored him. And we're going to talk about that with uh, my friend, Pastor David Miles. It's all coming up in the next uh, segment. Oh, that's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I, don't even, I don't speak many of the love languages. I do have a bit of the accent, though. I'm working on the accent. <laughs> Have a great rest of the day, Patrick. Always great to be with you. Thanks, you too. Yep, we'll take a short break and be right back with the Monday Afternoon Mix.
music. That means it's time for the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles. And we've got a very special extended version of the Monday Afternoon Mix today. We're going to go a full hour today, David. Yeah, looking very much uh, forward to this and picking up from last week uh, from our conversation. And and this is a really important time as we we look at Father's Day coming up and just the impact of uh, men upon other men. This is going to be part two plus because last uh, week we had Dr. Clarence Schuler on. And today we're going to be joined also by Dr. Gary Chapman. And I'm just looking over my notes and it, it appears that Dr. Gary Chapman has done okay with a particular book he wrote. Huh, I didn't know that was just till now. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Sorry, David. They're both on our studio line. Let's have a big, warm round of applause for Dr. Gary Chapman and Dr. Clarence Schuler. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you well, so thank, much for having us. Yeah, thank glad, you. Good to be with you guys. Glad to have you both on. So we had a really a nice uh, talk with uh, Clarence last week, and we're just so interested in letting our listeners hear about your transformational relationship that the two of you have with each other. Well, Clarence and I have been friends for many, many years, and uh, yeah, uh, we're excited. It's been an enriching experience for both of us. Let's start with yeah. how, how you two came to meet and, and uh, discover one another. Gary, you well, um, I met I met Gary. It's actually someone says it's been fifty two years, which is really means he's getting really old. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys are but, friends. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but one of my friends, as a eighth grader, uh, was invited to the gym where Gary Chapman was serving, sort of as youth pastor, youth leader. And my friend was African American, still is. The girls were invited were white. <laughs> And it was 1968, so there was a lot of segregation still going on. And so he invited me to go because he was really short. He was like four feet eight, and I think I was four feet nine, so I was his bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so we sure we went to this church after talking to our parents. We had to really fight to get our parents to let us go uh, because they were really afraid for our, our for us. And um and so we went to this gym, and, and, and we met Gary, played basketball, and, and through that, we began to form a relationship. And I began to see uh, some things in Gary that I needed, which was Christ. And I, I went to church, I was, you know, but I was not a believer. So that's how we met initially. Yeah, I remember the night that Clarence and his friend Russell walked in. Uh, there was about 100 white kids there. And they were the only two blacks. And as he said, segregation was just, integration was just taking place, just beginning to take place. And we live in North Carolina. And they walked in and uh, uh, found out later that some of our kids had invited them, which was great. And so uh, I met him there. And at the end of that night, I, I said to both of them, I said, hey, guys, we're here every Tuesday night. And you guys are always welcome to come. And they did. And so we spent time together, and then later on, uh, on down the road several months, we had a retreat, and they went with us on the retreat, and uh, that's where uh, Clarence gave his life to Christ. So we've been friends uh, ever since, and uh, neither one of us (laughs) knew that we were starting a lifelong friendship, but uh, God did, and Mm. uh, it's it's been so enriching, and we're hoping that a lot of other people will... uh, make an effort to have a friendship like that through the years. We believe it would make a difference in, in our cultural climate as well. Hmm. Yeah, you know, one of the interesting things that, 
both of you have just mentioned is how your relationship um, started. And, you know, really important for our, our listening audience, you know, uh, Clarence, you said uh, y- you were invited by someone to this event, yes. and that's where you met Gary. Right. And, uh, you know, sometimes people are wondering, like, what can I do? Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't feel I'm an evangelist or anything like that. And part of my testimony is that my locker mate invited me to a thing called Student Venture. And it, it was just a simple invitation. And without that simple invitation, you and Gary would not have met. Right, right. And, but it was a special invitation because Russell was a ladies' man. I didn't think he was that cute. To be <laughs> <laughs> and so he, said he, he said the two things that are most important to me when I was 15 years old. He said girls and basketball. And so, uh, you know, so I was like, I was there. And so it was, uh, it, but it was a very special time. And he and I were really best friends. And so we just, you know, uh, we wanted to go do it, even though we were a little fearful going to a white setting because, you know, it was a lot of racial tension in our town. And and we crossed the railroad tracks, and it was it was an interesting invitation we got from the community as we tried to make our way to the church. But everybody inside the church or inside the gym, as far as we knew, were fine with us, you know. So, so Clarence, it obviously took courage for you to make that step, but I also want to just talk for a minute or two about the power of the invitation because I think that's where it all starts. Mm. Yeah, I think so, too. I think if we acknowledge that to other people, you know, we all have lots of acquaintances. And if we just think in terms of where in my church or where in, you know, with my, my spiritual groupings, you know, where where might they find a welcome and, and or learn something to be helpful to them? And just invite them, you know, whether it's uh, not necessarily a Sunday morning service, but some small group or some recreational activity or something that we choose to invite them. Uh, and it's amazing. People, many people respond to an invitation because, you know, we're living in such isolated uh, attitudes today. So, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for that. Yeah, and Gary, maybe more so now than ever because we've just gone through a pretty long period of people being isolated, stuck at home, on their computers, not having a lot of uh, human contact or as much as they would like. And now more than ever probably are they're open to hearing a live voice and being in person with live people, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. So yeah, the, that, the, that, the power yeah. of invite has never been uh, more important than I think right now. No, I, I well, certainly you, agree with that. And, you know, I, I, I remember when I pastored, I used to pastor in Tulsa. We had a cross-cultural church we pastored there. And I was just reading some statistics and it said that the number one reason that non-Christians didn't go to church was because no one invited them. Mm. And I thought, I thought it was really amazing. So there is a lot of power in the, in the relationship. And even my non-Christian friends here, uh, to get them to read my books, um, I just, just offered it to them. And they say, hey, thanks for offering me the book. And then they'll come back and say, hey, I really liked it. But it's taking that initiative, even just to say, how are you doing? And just begin to build a relationship with people who may look like you or who may be different from you. Uh, gentlemen, I love one of Billy Graham's lines that said, imitating Christ is opening the door to friendship. So mm-hmm. something as simple as a hello, how are you? Would you like to go to my church or to this basketball uh, night where we also might meet girls? That's kind of an important thing to, to do, isn't it? it? It's critical, yeah, it, is, it really is. We I, we need to take the initiative. And, and just like you said, just saying hello or initiating that, has really, really been important. 
I think one of the things that's really, you know, powerful, and Gary, I'd love for you to speak to this. And just as a brief note uh, for our listening audience, you know, these two have written a book together called Choose Greatness, 11 Wise Decisions That Brave Young Men Make. And would really encourage you, if you're thinking of a graduation gift or a Father's Day gift or a gift period, this would be a great one for it. Um, Gary, you, you talked about how uh, the seeds of loving others were planted in your mind as a child. Would you talk a little bit about this? Because this is related to what we're discussing right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I grew up, as I said, in the South. Of course, Clarence and I both grew up in the South in different different cities. We later I later moved to the city where he grew up. But, uh, yeah, from the very beginning in my childhood, uh, in the backyard of my neighbor, on every Saturday, there was a group of us who lived in the neighborhood, all white, uh, and about five or six guys would come from the black neighborhood, and we'd play basketball together. And uh, nobody told us we shouldn't, you know. The, the, the schools were segregated at that time, and we just had a great time together, you know. And, of course, they went back to their section of town. We went back to our section of town. And, you know, as kids, it was just the way it was, you know. I don't think any of us was thinking very seriously about you know, the whole segregation issue is just that humans were designed to be with each other and skin color really shouldn't make a difference in that, you know. So those seeds were planted in my mind that, you know, that we say often we're all created equal. We're made in the image of God. And therefore, every person you encounter, whatever their background, racially or culturally, uh, we're all made in God's image and therefore we're all valuable. So, yeah, I've always been grateful for that. And I, I don't, you know, I didn't make that happen. I don't really know how it happened. I just know that we did that every Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary, it sounds, too, like y- you were doing what the Lord had put in your life at the time. Uh, you were taking your next step of faith. You were uh, probably not in your comfort zone all the time, which is also a great encouragement to every listener. And you could not project that 52 years later, uh, Clarence would be Dr. Clarence Schuler, making an amazing impact on the world for Christ. Yeah, that's no, no question about that. At, at my age, when I met Clarence, and, and at his age, I don't think either one of us had any idea of how God was going to use us in the future. I don't, I'm certainly neither one of us ever thought about writing a book uh, <laughs> together or individually. <laughs> but, you know, the Christian life is a walk, and it's a journey, and uh, it has a starting point, you know, when we meet Christ. Actually, it starts before that because— He's orchestrating things that bring us to, to faith in Christ. And uh, but and then friendships are the same way. They all start somewhere along the line where somebody says hello to somebody and have a conversation. And not everybody uh, is going to, not every one of those conversations will develop into a friendship to be sure. Uh, but who knows? Leads. Yeah, Clarence, I've always said that nothing in God's economy is ever inconsequential. Everything has a purpose. Now go back to that night you went <clears throat> to play basketball and you were sitting there thinking, ah, do I want to go? I don't know if I want to go. Ah, let's go. <laughs> and how pivotal that night was that you made the, the decision to go. 
Well, I definitely wanted to go because it was basketball and girls, so I was going. <laughs> <laughs> I love your commitment, Chris. So, so uh, yeah, you, you can tell how spiritual I am. But, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it was really persuading my mom and dad. Really, my whole family got together. We had like a town council. There were people in my family. I didn't know were in my family <laughs> to really make a decision whether we could go to this white church. Because that was sure. a big deal. Mm-hmm. And because allegedly – Different groups of people were bombing black churches, so, so was, they were really they were really more concerned. You know, as a fourteen, fifteen year old, you know, I think no matter what color you are, you think you're invincible. We were pretty good athletes, we were pretty fast, so we really we weren't <laughs> we weren't looking long term, which is one of the good things about the book. You know, choose greatness. It, it really tries to help young people not just look right now, but long term consequences of my actions. So, uh, but I think once I went with and, and the other thing, you talk about invitations, but also think about commitment to relationship. Russ and I were very close. There's nothing at that point in time that we wouldn't do for each other. Very and nice. so, so that was really important. So I was going to support him, have his back, and we were kind of prepared to fight if we need to fight to get out of church, get home, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Everybody treated us great. But I think when Gary came on the court, his spirit was one that you could trust. Yeah. You know, and, and, and in cross-cultural relationships, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but I, I think David would understand, and, and you guys might too, but but once one or another culture, majority culture, there's a certain spirit they have that, that kind of lets you know, I can trust this person, or I need to be careful, or, I, or I'm not sure. And Gary's spirit, which is one of openness, he came on the court, he initiated being friendly, saying, who are you? I'm, Clarence, I, I'm Gary Chapman, and and so it just, it, it, I knew I was safe with him. So that was kind of, that was a really big deal for me. So, so I was glad that I went to. So meeting Gary kind of confirmed it's a good night to be there. Yeah, a good time, a good place to be. Yeah, let's pick up more after the break. Um, we are listening uh, to the Monday Afternoon Mix special edition today because we've got uh, Dr. Gary Chapman and Dr. Clarence Schuler as our guests. They've co-written a book called "Choose Greatness: Eleven Wise Decisions That Brave Young Man Men Make." I'll be right back. the Monday Afternoon Mix. We've got Pastor David Miles, and we've got two special guests today joining us for the full extended hour version of the Monday Afternoon Mix, Dr. Gary Chapman and Dr. Clarence Schuler. They've co-written a book called Choose Greatness, 11 Wise Decisions That Brave Young Men Make. I love the back of your book, gentlemen. Uh, I love looking at this and, and, and reading the message, which is a life worth living is built inch by inch it's crafted out of a thousand everyday decisions that often seem unimportant at the time. That means if you want a great life today is the day to get started. That is sensational. Well, I really believe that uh, the decisions a young man makes between the ages of, say, 11 and 19 or 20 will greatly mm-hmm. impact the rest of his life. And uh, we're trying to help young men make wise decisions because when we make poor decisions, we have to live with the consequences. And uh, we all know that uh, far too many young men make decisions in those years 
that are detrimental the rest of their lives. So we're very excited about this book. When we think about brain chemistry, gentlemen, and we think of the, the, the frontal cortex not being as developed as it should be, and so young men by nature are going to have a difficult time making wise decisions, it is really important that men step up in a significant way to help uh, with the, that restraining mechanism and that uh, place where they can go and be safe with other men. Yeah, and that's one reason why in the book uh, we're encouraging the young man, if, if there's a father in the home, let your father read the chapter too, and then the two of you discuss You know the answers at the end of the chapter. It's a wonderful tool for a father to work with his son. And if there's not a father in the home, and that's true, of course, of, of some young men, uh, we're suggesting maybe ask your mother or your grandmother, to. is there a trusted adult man that uh, they would recommend that maybe would be willing to read through this book and discuss it with you? So uh, I think those who the, those men who uh, their children are gone or they don't have children at home, you know, particularly Christian men, I'd say be open and look out for uh, families where you know there's a son in that home and there's no father in that home. And uh, maybe this would be a tool that could be used to build a relationship with that young man. Yeah, I think, um, guys, that's your your very first wise decision was to choose to seek wisdom from parents or trusted adults. And, you know, before the break, Gary or uh, Clarence was sharing about going to the gym and having like a town hall meeting of people uh, coming to, to make sure that that was the right decision. Um, you know, beautifully in Scripture, the Apostle Paul wrote in Second Timothy to Timothy, and he said to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And then he begins to talk about Lois and Eunice, his mother and grandmother. And what's absent there is any conversation of his father, uh, which is spoken about in Acts 16, um, 1. Um, you know, Clarence, you know, how did, what, what are some ways and, uh, and some things that you learned from Gary as a trusted adult in your life through your relationship? Well, I think one thing that simply he could be trusted and that he seemed to have a, a, an interest in me, which is really important. And my dad did, too. My dad, we were just poor. Uh, he was just working two or three jobs all the time. So it was really good to have him. But then he modeled things. I would, I would watch Gary and my dad my, my as well. I watched my dad, how he treated my mom, and I watched Gary, how he treated his family and how he taught me how we relate to other people. So, so I think having a role model is really, really important. And, and let me just say, as we talk about this fathering um, issue, especially those moms who don't have a dad in the home, I think it's critical, and, and I hate to say this, but even with family members or organizations, that they do a background check. Because the reality of it is in our society today, you don't want to put a young man at risk with someone who, is, who he shouldn't be with. So, so I think... The idea of trusted of parents or trusted adults it has even more weight than we normally talk about. I appreciate that uh, comment because it is so true. And in the book, uh, Choose Greatness, you gentlemen do not pull any punches, which I love. And it's a, it's a great tool for uh, parents and for kids. But let's talk a little bit about some hot topics that kids really do struggle with and the proliferation of things like access to pornography and uh, sexual activity, which seems to be happening at a younger and younger age, and also some of the access to mood-altering chemicals and alcohol. 
seems even younger as well today. Well, I think that's true because our culture is much more open to those kind of things. And you're right. We deal with those issues, I mean, really openly in the book. We talk about technology, you know, and let's, we're not we're not anti-technology. We're just saying, Leah, let's make wise choices on how we use technology. Uh, you know, use it educationally but and use it to keep in touch with family members and that sort of thing. But just be aware that there's a lot of dangers in technology. You know, and a lot of the things you read on the internet aren't necessarily true. First of all, you know, <laughs> what? and then you know, the whole thing of cyberbullying, you know, and bullying somebody else or somebody bullying you, you know, and then avoid sexting. I mean, which is you know just amazing that that's happening. Uh, and then we just say, you know, don't respond to a text or an email. You know, if somebody sends you something and it's a cyberbullying, just don't respond. You know, just don't don't get into a, a dialogue with somebody that's putting you down. And then the whole thing of pornography, which is just, you know, sometimes kids aren't even looking for it. And it just, it just pops up there. And we talk about that and talk about for young men, you know, respecting girls and, and don't because pornography just uses women as an object, you know, not a person. And, and every woman's made in the image of God. And we talked about respecting women, starting with your mother, you know, because your mother gave you life. So <laughs> you wouldn't be here without your mother. So respect your mother and respect girls. And, uh, and this is huge in terms of, you know, where you go as you, in your adult life. How does a single mom or a dad uh, communicate this to their teenage son who might be closing his door after uh, everyone's gone to bed with his laptop? Well, I think you have to have the, have, have the conversation. I think you have to begin to ask them what they're doing, and, and hopefully relationships where you're honest enough to talk about it. Or if they don't want to talk about it, you know, you can share if you, as a dad uh, or a trusted adult, the long-term consequences of the pornography. You know, there's a, there's a very short-term payoff, but you, but the, the short-term payoff then compared to long-term consequences that are negative that can impact you uh, before you get married, but even after you get married. And so I think when you share that and they can see the big picture, then it makes more sense. And then you can help them knowing that someone they can walk along beside that, that know they have an issue and helping them walk through it more so than just condemning them for it. Yeah, I think also as parents, you know, uh, moms or dads, uh, we we have the responsibility of making decisions that we believe are going to help our children, you know, navigate the waters of life. And one of those decisions I think that parents should, should be encouraged to make is there are certain places in the home where we don't have access to television or to the, or to the laptop or to our phone. And one of those is at night, you know. Uh, it's all off. It's not in our rooms at night. You can read books at night until you go to sleep. Man, that'd be wonderful. Every kid's reading a book at night before they go to sleep. Wonderful, you know. And uh, if that, if you make the earlier you make that as a rule for your family, uh, the easier it is. Now, if you try to implement this in the middle of the teenage years, you're gonna get pushback. But if you can let them know, you know, this is why we're doing this, because we want to develop our minds in a positive way. And we don't want to uh, have you just stumbling on stuff that's going to be detrimental to you. And, and listen, parents are older than children. And consequently, we have more wisdom. So while we're encouraging the children to you know, draw on the wisdom of your, your parents, 
we're also including parents to step up and be parents. You know, Gary, it's interesting. One of the pastors uh, that work with youth that I knew in Ohio, uh, he was talking to his um, leadership and he said, you know, and to, and to the parents and saying, this generation is the one generation that has, that doesn't need you to go find out stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. he said, but though they have unlimited a- access to content, what they lack is the context, as you said, wisdom on how to handle the unlimited content that they have access to. And yeah. so even though they know so much, again, they, they need trusted adults and parents and yeah. others in their lives. Uh, absolutely. You know, we'll make it. Clarence and I said and made a list of things we learned from our fathers. You know, just looking back on it way back then, you know, what did we learn? You know, just here's just two or three of them. Uh, always do what you say you'll do. Love it. Man. That's recognize, solid. Yeah, recognize every individual as important and worth your time and energy. You're two for two. Yeah. Remember that life is not about fame or money. It's about using your abilities to help others. Amen. Wow. wow. That's, That's the whole pop. Christian message as you far as lifestyle. You just nailed it. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think based on that, we should take another short break. You're listening to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles and myself. We're talking to uh, Dr. Gary Chapman and Dr. Clarence Schuler. They've co-written a book called Choose Greatness, and they uh, became friends uh, a long time ago. They've been in relationship for 52 years, mentor-mentee, and now they're just uh, regular old pals that wrote a book together. Amazing story. We'll take a short break and be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.